May I have your attention, please? You are wondering what today's lesson will be about. Today's lesson is going to be about emotions. Now, we all start with a primary set, and as we grow older, we acquire more of them. When your emotions control your action, it affects not only yourself, but the people around you. This will help. Sit down. Emotions are centered in the lower part of the brain. It is complicated, yes, but mysterious no longer. Emotional behavior is largely involuntary. <laughs> I can't believe that. We have certain basic emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Notice your own emotional reactions. What did you feel? What did you do? Under control, your emotions can make you healthier and happier and improve the lives of people around you. This is pretty clever. That's a rather simplified suggestion of a complex mental process. Good morning. Excited to see each and every one of you. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? All right, we're looking forward to a great weekend and what God is doing. I have something to show you. In January, we gave these little magnets out. How many of you, you have something like this on your refrigerator? You got one of these little magnets? Now, um, somebody just waved their head, no, I didn't get one. Well, they're on the way back, on the way tent, if you want one. I put on this magnet some goals for 2018. So just let's just take a little praise break for just a minute if we can. All right, so 20. 18 goals. First of all, we wanted to see 286 people saved this year. You say, why did you come up with that number of 286? Because I wanted to double last year. All right, I always just kind of take that number. Nothing spiritual about it. I didn't see a message in the sky. I just kind of pulled it out of a hat. And so last week when we gathered up the cards and we did all the counting out of our attendance, we saw 305 people saved. Isn't that just incredible? So there's a little box on your little magnets. When you go home to that refrigerator, grab a Sharpie or a pen and check the box and then write a new number. We don't stop at 286. We're not stopping at 286. We write a new number. We say, God, there's still more people to reach in the Bay Area for Christ that need the gospel. And then we said on the second goal, we said we wanted to add a third service in March. Well, guess what? We added a third service in March. So you can check that. And don't you dare write a fourth service. Don't you dare do that. No, we're, I'm done at three. Somebody said, what about five? No, 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 no. And then we put for Easter. Now, Easter, we typically would do our, our event on a Saturday. But I just felt like God was leading us to get away from our Saturday events and start moving those to Sunday. We already have 52 events a year. That happens on Sundays. And so we decided to move it. And I thought as soon as we moved our epic Easter egg hunt to a Sunday, nobody would want to come because we'd make them go to church first. Because our goal at Southridge is not just to provide an event, not just to... um, connect with our community, but our goal is to share the gospel with them. That's really our focus. It's always been as a church to get the gospel to people. And so we were praying for a thousand and some of you, you may have been there. You may have missed it. Just by, I'm curious, how many people you were there last Sunday? You were there. You're like, yeah, I could tell the ones with the eye bags and ones that got Red Bull in their coffee. Yes. You're the ones that were there right there. And so, um, but last week we saw 2,738 people attend our epic Easter event. Isn't that just incredible? That's just incredible. They came to a service. We packed them in. Many of you served. Many of you helped. We had 121 volunteers. 
So that's 300 to 1. That's the odds. So I believe God is preparing us as we go into this next season where we move into the store, the grocery store that God's given us at least. I believe that God is setting us up to move into that and uh, to be able to reach people. It kind of helps our perspective that God can send the people we could reach them. But we still have on the right side of this little card some more goals that we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to help us through his spirit to accomplish. So just some wonderful things ahead. Well, let's dive into our message this morning. Take your Bibles to John chapter number 9, if you would. John chapter number 9. We're kicking off a new series. And whenever we kick off a new series, I typically give a longer introduction. And my wife will come up, she says, man, your introduction is just so long, it's most of the message. So today's message is an introduction, really, to set up our series. I'm not quite ready to dive into the series. Let me use a little church ease if I can. Typically, we preach exegetically. You say, what does that mean, exegetical? What it means is typically we'll take a book and we'll just go through it, or we'll take a a character, we'll do a character study. Today, we're just going to be in John chapter number nine. I feel like there's some verses here that are very applicable to what God did last week, what God's doing in our church now, and also it sets up this series in a very special way. So John chapter number nine, we're going to look at seven verses of John chapter number nine. If you brought your Bible, you can go to John chapter number nine or if you have it on a tablet or a phone, you can turn on your Bible or you can look on the screen as we have it on the screen. Let's go to John chapter number 9, verse number 1. Here's what the Bible has to say this morning. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse number 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I love Jesus' response. Neither this man Nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Amen to that. Jesus says, Matthew chapter number five, as a city that is set upon a hill is not hid, so we're to shine our lights. And we know that our light comes from Jesus, and he is the light of the world. As our world gets darker, we know that there's a light that is getting brighter, and we know that we are to shine as well. Verse six, after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. He put it on the man's eyes. And then he says something very interesting. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So this man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus has done many, many miracles prior to this miracle. There are miracles of turning water into wine. There's the miracle of multiplying the loaves and the fishes. There are the miracle of raising people to life. There's the miracle of even giving sight to the blind. But no miracle is as unique as this miracle. You say, why? Because Jesus stoops down and he gets some dirt and then he spits in the dirt and he makes a little bit of mud and then he smears it in the guy's eyes. And so we look at this miracle and we just kind of step back and we think, Jesus, I mean, I I love the fact that it's a wonderful miracle. It's a beautiful miracle, but this miracle, it's kind of out of the norm. And I think many times we want miracles from God. Many times we would love for God to maybe fix a financial situation, maybe for God to fix our marital situation or something with our children. And we're in all different types of situations that are kind of difficult, that would require a miracle. But yet I see in this passage, we see that we can miss the miracle Because we focus on the mess. 
So this morning, would you touch your neighbor and say, don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Because sometimes miracles are messy. And this is a messy miracle, isn't it? Jesus is going to take a little bit of spit. He's going to pour it into some dirt and he's going to kind of mix that around. He's going to make something out of it. And I believe that God wants to do something in your situation as well this morning. But as we dive into it, I believe that this is a lot like our emotions. Our emotions can be messy. Some of you, you're dealing with a messy emotional situation, maybe at work or in your marriage and, and anywhere. And these emotions are just kind of there. I've got an amazing five-year-old son. His name is Austin. And Austin is just a unique character. God has just uniquely wired this young man. And uh, he, he's a talker, and many of you know how much he loves to talk. And he'll hold a, a very long and in-depth conversation with you if you ever get the time. The other day, we were sitting down at breakfast, and he looks over at me, and uh, he says, Dad, you're a great dad. And I was like, man, I, I done raised this boy right. That's what I did. Yeah, and that's right, man. And then he's like, but it's opposite day. I was like, you can go to the room. You're grounded. You know, I was like, are you kidding me? This guy messes with me. But then sometimes he'll get upset like a normal five-year-old to get upset. And he's just upset. And uh, then, you know, I, I like to have fun. So I'll come over there and I'll grab him. I'll hug him. I'll tickle him. And he's like, don't, don't do that. And he's like, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to make me feel better. I was like, well, well, duh. Yes, I'm trying to make you feel better. I don't want to feel better. I mean, literally, these are the type of things my five-year-old will say to me. I'm like, man, this incredibly in-depth conversation I can have with my five-year-old. But what's really, when I was developing this series, part of the, that stimulated the beginning of the series was one little conversation I had with Austin a few weeks ago. Once again, I'm sitting at breakfast because I typically get up early, and Austin likes to get up early as well. So we're sitting there, we're eating breakfast, and Austin looks at me and he says, Dad what do you like about yourself? I was like, oh my goodness. Excuse me, Dr. Phil, what did you just say? I mean, I was like, do I need to lie down on your couch? And then my next thought was, he's going to charge me. I guarantee it, 225 an hour, this boy's going to charge me, right? And I was like, what an in-depth question. And then so I answered his question. I said, well, I love that I'm a dad. And he said, no, no, no. I said, what do you like about you? I was like, oh my goodness. Wow, this boy is deep. He's five. Incredible. So I shrugged it off. I shrugged it off. Last week, I'm putting in my coffee in the microwave to warm it up. Austin walks over. He puts his elbow on the counter, rests his head like this, and he says, So, did you think about what I asked you? You're not letting it go, are you? He's like, what do you like about yourself? So then I did some judo Yoda stuff, and I was like, what what do you like about you? And he had a long list. He was like, well, I'm creative. I'm talkative. And I was like, oh, my goodness, my goodness, this boy. He's in touch with some things. We can look at our emotions, and we can look at them. And sometimes we look at maybe we have a, a temper. Maybe we have identity issues, insecurity. And these things can make up these emotions. They say that we have seven primary emotions. Depending who you read from, who you study from, they'll say there's as many as 27 emotions. You say, but what are the main primary emotions that you will experience on any given day? You will experience joy, anger, sadness, fear, surprise, contempt, disgust. Disney, though, broke it down into four. They broke it down into joy, anger, sadness, and disgust. They, they just broke it down into four. If you watch Inside Out, they were like, that's too many. Let's shorten it down. These are the primary ones that we experience. And so we see that these are 
lots of emotions going on. And Jesus, at this point, would be experiencing emotion. You say, why? Because in chapter 8, he had just declared that I am. He made the same statement that God made to Moses in the book of Exodus. Jesus said, I am. And he was declaring equality with the Father. And then they took up stones. They were going to stone Jesus in the end of chapter 8. So Jesus flees. And as he's fleeing, he passes by and he sees this blind man. And he sees this person. And immediately the disciples ask Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, their master, a question. They said, Jesus, who sinned? Did this man or his parents? And then Jesus says, no, none of them sinned. But, and I want to look at verse number three again because it's powerful. It's where we're going to go this morning. He says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Please write this down. Miracles are a message miracles are a message. Jesus was going to take this blind man and he was going to showcase that he is the light of the world. He's going to use this illustration. He's going to use this man who's just sitting there, who is blind from birth, who's begging for a meal. Jesus is going to use him to point people that he is the light of the world, that as the world sits in darkness, that Jesus is the true light and he lights the way to salvation. And so we see that miracles are a message. What is the message? The message is is this, that too often we look at pain and we look at it that it doesn't have a purpose. But your pain does have a purpose because pain is a platform. You say, what do you mean pain is a platform? That's right. If you will see pain in the right way, pain can become your platform. Too often we look at pain as just arbitrary, that God just happened to send it into my life. But no, God does not allow pointless pain. God is using pain. You and I, we have to look at this world and not just think, why would God allow children to go through maybe cancer? Or why would God allow a loved one to go through a death in the family? Or why would somebody go through deep tragedy? Or why would things happen? We step back and we say, wait a minute, God is using pain as a platform. There are some people you've never been able to quite reach or talk to, but the moment you hear that they've been through something, you say, well, well, I had a miscarriage too. Immediately, there's a connection. Immediately, you're able to talk to that person. Or if you're talking to somebody and they say, I just got fired, and you're able to relate with them that I've been fired, all of a sudden, your pain becomes a platform that you can now minister to that person. You see, the miracle in this, the message in this miracle is that pain is a platform this morning. But too often, we allow our emotions to cloud that. We allow our emotions to distract us, and we look at pain as punishment. That's the way the disciples looked at it. They said, hey, God's punishing this person. What did they do? And these disciples, you know what they're more interested in? What this guy did. They would like Esquire magazine, wouldn't they? They would like to know all the dirt on the celebrities, wouldn't they? They would love to get on Facebook and look at all the gossip going on, wouldn't they? They would love to know what's going on. Why? Because these disciples, they weren't really interested in seeing this man healed. Notice none of them said, hey, we, Jesus, can we help this person? No. They said, hey, what did he do? What's his dirt? Isn't that like us? We go to, off, we go to the office and tomorrow you're going to be at the water cooler getting you a cup of coffee. And then there's going to be that coworker that's going to come up to you. And they're going to say, did you hear what Sally did over the weekend? And you'd be like, no, what? Tell me. I didn't see it on Facebook. It's juicy. Come on, tell me. And, and what is that? What is that nature inside of us that we want to know the juicy details, even though it's none of our business? You say, what? That's, that's our sinful nature right there. 
And that's the disciples. And Jesus said, no, no, no. This miracle I'm going to use as a message. That pain is a platform that God wants to use it. Too often, our moods are a byproduct of our minds. It's not about what we're going through, but how we're processing what we're going through. How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? Are you allowing these emotions to just kind of take over? And too often, you can go through a difficult situation, and then you just allow these emotions to shut you down. And then you can't function. You could go through something like last week. And really, a lot of this has to do with last week where, where you could see these big crowds. And God, I, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with the mess. But understand, it's in the mess that there's the miracle. And I think too often we're missing the miracles that God has in our life because we're not willing to embrace the mess of life. And life is messy. Emotions are messy. And maybe... You're the type of person that likes to run from emotions, hide from emotions. But Jesus, he leans right into it, and he does something interesting. So we see that the miracle is a message. But secondly, miracles are messy. I wondered for a second, why dirt? You ever think about that? Why did Jesus use dirt? Come on, there's, a, there's tons of things he could have used. Jesus could have spoken a word of healing, and the man would have been healed. Jesus could have uh, done something where maybe put his hands on him and healed him. But why did Jesus feel like he needed to go get some dirt and make some mud? I, I, I just don't get it. I think too often we just read the Bible and we don't think about it. We don't think deeply about it. We don't think, what's the big deal about some dirt and some saliva? We'll think about it. The Bible says that God formed man out of the, say it church, dust and dirt. It's what we're from. But you see, just by ourselves, we're just dirt. That's all, that's all we are. The Bible says that man was not a living, breathing soul. It was, just, it was just dirt. It was just dust. It was just formed. It wasn't until the breath of God came into the man that man had a living soul, that there was the element of God inside of us. That's what it is. You see, this miracle was not a miracle with just the dirt. There was a missing ingredient. It was some spit. And some of you like to sit up front because you think my spit is holy. It's not. It's not. There's nothing special about it. I try not to get sick, and I try to step back. There's nothing spiritual about my spit. But Jesus, he takes this liquid, and the liquid meets the dirt, and liquid is always a sign of the Holy Spirit. And it's when the two mix, that's where the miracle is. Some of you look at yourself, and you're looking at who you are and what you've done, and you think that God can't use me. There's nothing God can do with me. And yet last week, it was because of you that there are 305 people who are now on their way to heaven and no longer hell and it's because God used some dirt we're just dirt but that's okay God says I got what makes the dirt special Jesus is what makes the dirt anything you see the miracle is more than just a miracle it's a picture of God's power at work in us and through us but if you and I are going to not want to get a little bit messy we're going to miss the miracle If you're stepping back and saying, you know what? I don't know. There's a lot of people. And I was at the checkout or I was ushering or I was greeting or I was in the nursery and I had a baby in each hand. And man, I had one on my foot and I was, I was doing one of these. And then I was glad the parent didn't walk in or something because there were so many people, but there were so many people who were touched. Last week, you say, well, I met some people and pastor, guess what? They, they didn't talk very nice to me. They, they weren't very kind. They were, they were rude. They were rude to me. And I was just trying to do a good deed. And you know what? I was a little bit nervous. Sunday afternoon, I had heard about some arguments. I'd heard about some arguments, some things that were said and things that were said to my wife and, and just some words that were said. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was waiting for a, a fallout. I was like, don't do it, Micaiah. Don't go on Facebook. But you know when you know you shouldn't go looking for the negative comments? I was like, but I just got to know. There was just, you just got to know. So I go on there and go on Facebook and I'm looking at the comments. And guess what? 
No negative comments. And then finally, later on that day, we got one. And I was like, well, here it begins. There's the one negative comment. And then I waited, and I saw a nice comment. Oh, that's good. And I saw another nice comment. And another one. I was like, oh, that's Facebook. But then I forgot. I forgot to tell the church, guess what? If there's anything negative, anything disappointing, then you need to send your emails to my, my special uh, hate inbox, which is Wes at Southridge San Jose. That, that's my hate inbox email. And uh, I forgot to say it last Sunday. And I was like, oh, no, I was worried about checking my email. And I checked my email. And guess how many emails I got that were, that were negative? Uno. One. You know how many I got were positive? Tons. And last week, you could step back and be like, well, this happened and this happened. But, but the fact that you embraced the mess, God did a miracle. And as long as you're willing to say, God, I'm not much. I'm just some dirt. God can do a lot with some dirt. He could do a lot with just a little bit. As you say, God, here am I. Use me. I'm not much, but I'm all yours. I heard one old-time preacher, he said it like this. We're just garbage at his disposal. Isn't that good? That's all we are. That's all we are. We're just gods. And if you just say, hey, you know what? I'm just bringing myself back to God so he can use me. Then God will do a miracle through the messiness. So God takes dirt and God takes some liquid. He mixes it together and he does a miracle. But I love this. The miracle is not complete until, can I say it like this? This man's blind obedience. I worked on that all week. Come on, church. Give me a little bit more than that. I don't have a real job. Blind obedience. Come on. The man is blind. All right. Blind obedience. You got to think for a second. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jerusalem. This man is outside the temple and he's got to go to the pool of Shalom. It's over Passover. So there's thousands and thousands of people. So this man's got to find his way over there. He's got to make it to the pool. He's got to wash. And all of a sudden, that's where the miracle happened. It'd be real easy for him to say, I'm just sitting here trying to get some alms. And all of a sudden, some dude rubs dirt in my eye. I'm upset. I'm mad. Forget going to the pool of Shalom. But this man obeys. Many of you want God to work miraculously miraculously, supernaturally, but you're not willing to do the natural. God can do all kinds of supernatural if you'll do the natural. As a matter of fact, today in church, there are more people that are walking away from the church because we've missed the fact that we have a miracle working God. And so we have young people that go to the church and say, it does you know, I can get better music at the club or on the radio. The music's not doing it for me. And, you know, the, the, the preaching and teaching isn't doing it for me. But you can't argue with the fact that a church of 225 had 2,738 people. That's a miracle. You can't argue with the fact that we're the church that they gave a grocery store to, that we have an eight-year lease, and we didn't pay for it. You can't argue with the fact that 305 people gave their life to Christ. That just doesn't happen every day in the Bay Area. That is a miracle of God because some people decided to get a little bit mad. Some people decided to give up their Easter plans. Some people decided to sacrifice, to give, and to go, and to serve. And God did a miracle because we decided God will get messy. But aren't you glad Jesus was willing to get a little bit messy? Jesus humbled himself, the Bible says. He put on flesh, the Bible says. He walked among us. He was one of us. He put on this skin, this flesh. He heard, he bled. Jesus is our example. And that's why we follow him. He was willing to get messy. He was willing to step into what we live in. But the decision is this. Will we address the mess? Touch your neighbor this morning and say, address the mess. Address the mess. Address the mess. Pull an Austin and say, did you think about it yet? Did you think about it? He's not letting it go. 
And I got to think of an answer because I guarantee you he'll ask me again. He's not going to let it go. And too often we let things go. We don't address the mess. We just think it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else will step into it. Somebody else will share the gospel. Somebody else will tell that person. But God is saying, I chose you. And let's address the mess. Jesus addressed this man's situation. But there's three types of people that are in this room. There are those of you that are manipulated by their emotions. Man, any emotion that happens. Somebody cuts you off all of a sudden. Boom, you're, you're upset. Somebody takes your Starbucks. They, they cut in line. They actually grabbed yours on accident. You're upset. Uh, your kids do something on the way out and they spill your coffee on your clothes. You've got to change. You're upset. Your, your emotions are easily manipulated. Or you say, that person broke my heart. Then why do you keep giving it away to losers if they're going to break your heart so easily? You, why, you're, you're manipulated by your emotions. You say, man, I'm so lonely, but yet you do things that create more loneliness because I find more often, you know how we deal with our emotions, with the, the, the difficult things? We're dealing more with the symptoms than with the source. You say, I'm lonely, so we get on Facebook thinking, that'll fulfill me, and it doesn't. We think, I'm looking for love, and we think, I'll find partner after partner after partner, and that will fulfill me, and it doesn't, because you're trying to treat a system and not the source, and you're being manipulated by your emotions. So there's that person in this room. There's also the second type of person. You're the person that minimizes your emotions. You stuff them down. You don't talk about it. I'm from a German family. Germans are very stoic. We don't talk about our emotions. Hugging was not normal. It's, it's a new thing for me to try to give hugs. I'm working at it. I'm working at it. I'm trying. It's not that I don't love you. I love you. I'm trying to get those hugs in. I'm trying. I just didn't grow up in a hugging family. And so it's new for me. You see, my father was, grew up in a very difficult home. When he was eight years old, he lost his dad. My father never talks about his father. Never. He's never said one word to me about his dad. All those years. He's 60 years old. Never said a word. Won't talk about it. Hurt him that deeply. He took his emotions and he stuffed it down. He's not willing to address. Some of you, there's some emotions that are stuffed so deep. Maybe it's time to address it. The Pharisees, they're just trying to run. In this passage, they didn't want to address who Jesus was. They have an argument over how this miracle was accomplished. And in this passage, they say, well, well, surely this man can't be of the devil because how can a miracle happen? But there was enough people that said, no, 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 he's wrong. He made mud on the Sabbath, which was against the law to make mud on the Sabbath. It was against the law to make some dirt. But then there's a third part. You're managing your emotions. You see, it's time to confess our emotions and not conceal them because we want to reflect the countenance of our creator. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The heart is where it's at. This week, I'm praying that you'll address the mess that's in your life, that's around you. Don't run from it. Say, God, this is here, and I want to run from this. I don't want to deal with this. I didn't want to check the emails. I didn't want to check the Facebook. And I found out we got way more positive than we got negative. We got tons and tons of positive comments on Facebook and only one negative comment. Do you know something, church? This is how messed up I am. Do you know which comment bothered me the most? Do you know which one I thought about all week? Not the ones that said great things. Not the ones that said that's such a great church. But the one negative comment. And isn't that like you and I? Everybody around you says you're a wonderful mother. You're a wonderful father. You're doing a great job. You're a good Christian. 
But it just takes one person. And we let our whole day get ruined. We fixate on that one thing. Instead of saying, God, I need your help in this situation. I'm tired of being manipulated by my emotions. So we're praying that God would help us. Saying, God, we need you this morning. We're going to step into the messiness of our emotions. It's not easy. We'd rather hide from it. But let's address the mess. Can you stand as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the power of your word. It's a short little passage. And there's so much truth to be mined from it. And Father, we're just praying that you would help us. As we go through the next several weeks, as we study and dive into what are healthy emotions and and what do you want from us, that you would help us, Father. That we wouldn't just ignore all that you're doing, but we would address it. God, there are some people here this morning and they're feeling guilty, but help them to realize your grace covers our guilt. That for all our sin, there is a Savior and that we can come to you. That if we will confess our faults, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we come to you humbly. We come to you with a needy heart, an expectant heart. I pray that you would speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name.